0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Cause you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks, this Voss here from the Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate it. You know, it's never official until you hear the opera ladies sing. And then when you hear her sing, then you know the show is fully official. Turn it. Stuff off. Thank you, everyone. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in to the Chris Foss Show. We have a new link we want to share out. Uh, we've been kind of excited by the Facebook groups have turned on a new feature where they have a chat uh, in Messenger, and so everyone can chat that's in the group. And we've had a big, uh, fairly uh, good size. What is it like? Fifty five hundred people that are in our uh, Chris Foss Show podcast group on Facebook, and uh, we've turned on the chat. So that if you want to chat about the shows, the, the guests that are on the shows, the authors, the content they have uh, in a live format, or you want to ask questions of me, or I don't know, maybe you just want to send me your Snapchat photos, you can do that in that, don't do that, people, please don't do that, Jesus. Um, you can do that, we'll probably ban you if you do that, uh, you can do that, uh, there's a there's a whole bunch of groups that we have as a Chris Voss show, so what we've done is we've created a link that you can go directly to the group, uh, you can sign up at Chris Voss. Facebook.com. See how easy we made that? ChrisFossFacebook.com. You can't forget that because if you do... Check your doctor for Alzheimer's. As always, we ask you to further show to your family, friends, relatives, so that they can share in the Chris Voss Glow. Remember, that's a trademark, so don't uh, say that to anybody else. Um, But the Chris Voss Glow is a thing where we bring you the smartest people for 15 years, four shows a day, a weekday, 15 to 20 shows a week. We bring you the billionaires, the CEOs, the White House advisors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, all of the brilliant minds come on this show, and the stupid ones we don't allow on, of course. Uh, I don't know how I got on the show, but I snuck on one day and they and I haven't left yet, so they can't lock the doors behind me. Uh, but for the show, your family, friends, and relatives, go to goodreads.com, for Chess Chris Voss, youtube.com, for Chess Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com, for Chess Chris Voss. Subscribe to the big LinkedIn newsletter and the LinkedIn group of 130,000 people over there. And now, Chris Voss facebook.com uh we have an amazing author on the show i'm excited to have him he's got a a massive amount of experience history knowledge and he's going to share with us in business his newest book has just come out november 1st 2023 it's called unmanaged master the magic of creating empowered and happy organizations by jack Skeels, and he'll be on the show telling us all about the great stuff he put into it and the research that went into it and all that amazing things he is a former executive two-time inc 500 award-winning entrepreneur and think tank management scientist in his uh, new book he lays out the blueprint for how to make agencies and many other types of organizations run better faster and happier we can do it. Sounds like that line from $6 million man. We can make it better, <laughs> faster. There you go. Uh, he draws on more than a decade of applied research with over 200 agencies and other high performance organizations. He presents a compelling case that managing less can be the key to managing better. <laughs> Well, I found that out when I got rid of all my employees. Uh, <laughs> it is a sick, and it's my business partners too—idiots. Uh, in a six-part structure, the book takes leaders and managers through the origins of why we manage the way we do today, and how a new style of managing, within one, w- within which one can see the echoes of agile methods, boosts everything from project success rates to organizational productivity profitability, and happiness. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Uh,
1: g- great to be here, Chris, and good to meet you. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Pleasure to meet you as well. Congratulations on the new book. These are always fun to launch. Give us your .coms. Where do you want people to find you on the internet and uh, track you down?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn, of course, Jack Skeels, and also uh, agencyagile.com is my consultancy that we've been going for uh, more than a dozen years now with as you mentioned a whole bunch of uh successful clients.
0: There you go. So uh give us a thirty thousand overview. What's inside this book?
1: You, you know the book I'll actually go back to the beginnings. the the book came from the fact that and I don't know if you it sounds like you're a very smart guy actually as much as you don't, don't you soft don't, don't soft don't sell it. that right? Don't push it. Yeah. <laughs> um it, when I was a programmer way back when, I always felt like my managers were idiots and just got in the way. And there's a way that that idea stuck with me. And you know, as I became a manager and a leader and eventually worked at a think tank and the like, I, the idea germinated even more. And in the last uh, 15 years or so, sort of pulled together this idea that today we overmanage that we do that managers tend to get in the way of productivity probably more than they enhance productivity <laughs> and i got the i got the book opens with a really interesting true real world vignette where we took a team that was dying from overmanaging and and basically kicked all the managers out and the team succeeded tremendously an amazing project big project project on fire when i took it over and um, so since then, we've done it with a lot of organizations, but the the book really will, will tell you sort of the why behind all of that. Why mm. why is it that we manage so poorly and overmanage it and the like, and, and what can you do about it?
0: Is it because people are
1: stupid? Um, <laughs> I just had to put that in there. Because they, <laughs> they are. Some are. Well, some are. Well, I—, um, I i want to go because you know you can take what i'm saying as being very anti-managerial and and lord knows part of my brain goes there all the time how dare you sir I, I think that every manager I've ever met is just trying to do a good job, right? Okay, yes. and that's the you know I, I always go back to the uh, the the show The Office, right? And <laughs> and Michael, but it, it's exactly that thing is that so yeah. many managers don't know what to do, but they want to be a manager, and that's the, that's the plot line for The Office, right? Is Michael comes in and and feels the need to be managerial <laughs> to validate himself, he does something stupid, and then. And then the the eventually the organization spits him out, and the the cliche ending is he's out in the parking lot trying to figure out what happened that day, right? Yeah. And, and so that's the that's sort of the, I love that as a metaphor.
0: I think you I think you uh, make a good point. I mean, most people aren't trying to always be evil. I think some people are, but you know most people are just trying to uh, you know do the thing, and and they don't have your book clearly, and they need to read your book so they can find out to be better managers. Does that sound about right?
1: yeah yeah i, <laughs> I mean know, I it's, it's, that that was the summer you were hoping for and i didn't give you there so go. okay cool thank you appreciate there you it go.
0: there you go i set you up on that uh so uh tell us a little bit about your background history what's your hero's journey what's your journey through life
1: you know i i feel like i've always been a sort of a pinball bouncing from thing to thing i've always been a fairly you, know, you only have smart people on here so i can i can go ahead and own that here and I, I succeeded at a lot of things, but I got fired from a lot of things. I got tried mm-hmm. to be a plumber one time, got fired from that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a history of getting kicked out of jobs that I was overqualified for. And uh, and eventually I ended up at, with my MBA and I was teaching at a university, working at a think tank and all that kind of thing. And and I that wasn't enough reality for me. And then I got back into the world of work and I saw it all differently at that point. Oh. And that was, that was the moment when I started saying, there's something wrong with the way we're managing this is probably 2005 or so just something wrong about this whole idea of managing. It feels like a, a stupid game that we, it was sort of like a red pill, blue pill thing, right. You know, Mm -hmm. the matrix where all of a sudden I felt like everything, every manager said was extremely (laughs) contrived, even me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and then, uh, and then just started detangling it. And that's, that's sort of, you know, I got to the point where I I said, we got to stop doing this. Yeah. yeah,
0: You had your aha moment, maybe. Is that yeah, a good description yeah. of it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Um,
1: and so uh, in this book, is this your first book? It is my first book. I have about yeah. 35 published articles and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff, but nothing like writing a book at all. It is a real journey.
0: So why did you feel this was an important book to write? I, I know it kind of seems obvious from what we talked about. But what, what, what was like, I mean, your motivation was like people need to, Get, learn how to manage or unmanage, as you call it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think really at the core of it, there are two things that are that I realized that it, uh, only a book would help accomplish this thing. One is I c- I couldn't work as many organizations as we worked with, and we continue to get great clients and and help them change the way they manage. It, the impact was too small, and mm. and the real problem looks like people don't understand what managing is. And we, we have this thing is I become a manager and I just sort of mimic what all the other managers are doing. Right? It's this sort of pack <laughs> behavior like, you know, you're a dog now, do what all the other dogs do. Dogs do. do. And, and all the dogs follow this pattern that started like 100 years ago when, with factories and, and immigrants and lousy working conditions and, and all that kind of thing. And that's not what the world looks like anymore. And yeah. managing just hasn't evolved and managers haven't evolved so that that's that was a real idea that people could understand um, step back and and see themselves and see mm-hmm. what was happening and we've got lots of vignettes in there because that helps people do that um, but that's really the the idea is that we if we can enlighten people into just maybe making that little red pill red pill blue pill choice or something like that right
0: yeah uh, so uh, what are the some of the topics you talked about in the book? are, um, yeah, kind of, uh, it has your origins in digital and marketing agencies, but this could be something that could be applied anywhere. Um, you know, one of the problems that I had with, uh, with a lot of management people, and, and I think I fell into the same thing, maybe when I was appointed manager, when I was really, really young. And one of the things I, I put on my desk was that I have, it was basically some sort of one of those, um, uh, it was one of those meme sort of motivational <clears> things <throat> that they had in the 90s. Remember those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. was like, yeah. you know, some eagle, and he's going, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, But it was basically, you have to earn your title. Your title isn't given. You have to earn your title every day. And I remember having that on my desk as CEO. It's still in storage somewhere. Um, and it was to remind me that just because you got your title doesn't mean you're a manager. Just do, doesn't Because you're named a CEO doesn't mean you are a CEO doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're a CEO. doesn't mean you're a leader either. And you've got to earn that every day. You've got to... You you can't... You know, people just don't... You know, you can't just lord around going, I'm a manager now. And people are like, <laughs> you're a fucktard. And you always were. And you never gonna have changed. Um, you have to earn that. And you have to build it. And, and servant leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, basically, you can get the title. But that doesn't mean you, you're doing it well.
1: Well, yeah. And I, I think... You bring up a couple great points. One is people usually don't get the title of manager because they're a good manager, right? (laughs) They get the title of manager because they were good at something else, right? And so all of a sudden now you're a manager and you don't know shit about being a manager. In fact, (laughs) most of the things that got you to that moment, you know, the reason you got the manager job is because they didn't want to lose you because you were going to leave. You were going to leave if you didn't get uh, some sort of promotion. Yeah, exactly. Give them a title, And, and so now you've got this job and you know nothing about doing it and everything you did to get to that spot is the exact opposite of what you want from a manager. Right. All that sort of, you know, you fought your way to the top of the fucking hill. You, you proved that you were like way better than everybody else. And that's like exactly not what you want to do as a manager. And and you made yourself prominent and the like, And, and that comes to the second problem, which is that at the end of the day, people get into the spot and feel like they've got to prove themselves and i love what you're saying uh, that what you're saying about the eagles well a little bit more like i need to earn it but earning mm-hmm. is different than proving right proving That's is true, like yeah. i'm i'm going to go call meetings i'm going to do this i'm going to do all these managerial things and by the way most of them decrease productivity
0: yeah yeah i'm managing now we're all going to have Zoom meetings and meetings twenty four seven because I must manage and you're like how the hell are we gonna get anything done? All right, manage yep. boy, yeah, uh, but man, there go at it, manage boy, have fun with that, <laughs> and uh, you know, and really, um, I think really, you know, a, a great manager is to support your team, and a lot of people don't realize that they just think that I'm king for today or however long they leave me here, and I'm just gonna lord about. <laughs>
1: well and and a lot you know, a lot of things there there are all these weird you know when you study this and and work with different you know, we coach managers as well and you know one of the things you'll see is that this this attitude of like I'm better than everyone else which was what happened before you got the manager job right that's how you uh. got to be the person right uh. that that essentially if you listen to these managers a lot of times they'll say oh half of my people are horrible oh, and wow. they don't they don't realize that one is that's just a legacy from them having to say half the people were horrible. Yeah. But second is the job of the manager. That's yeah. the only thing they're put there for is to elevate their people. And if they blame their people for their people, not being elevated, they're just pointing at themselves. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, your, your people are a reflection of you. So exactly. if they suck, you suck as a leader and a manager, preferably a leader. Um, so what are some tips that you give people in the book on how to unmanage and uh, get get to something that's more uh, more productive
1: yeah, you know i think there are, there are a whole bunch of areas that I, I go into like dozens of different examples of ways to do this and the like i think one of the big things though we were, we were just talking about the the getting in the way of productivity is a big thing in other words the the a great manager knows when to not try to be a manager, right? <laughs> you know, in, in a sense, well, we do we do this exercise. It may be easier to explain this way. So we, when we kick off with a new client, we take their whole leadership team. And usually these organizations, 50 or 100 people, something like that. So we've got 20 people in this workshop for two days. And at the end of the first day, we, we go through this exercise and we say, if we send away parts of your organization for a day, we could send the leadership and managers away for a day. What happens to productivity? Yeah. Because if, if you send the team away, by the way, then there's no productivity, right? Yeah. So we send the and and everyone does this nervous laughter kind of thing. <laughs> well, well, the fun thing is, one of our clients in Brooklyn recently they they actually had a happy hour right after that the end of the first day session when we talked about that, and and they had all everyone come in and and from their company and. And they started asking all the, the team members, said, how was your day? And they're like, it was an amazingly productive day. So literally just removing the managers and leaders from the room, <laughs> so to speak, boosted productivity in that organization. We
0: didn't have them bothering us getting in the way asking for TPS reports, damn it.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> TPS and, and there's a truth in that, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a truth that for all the good that managers try to do, they mm-hmm. can be very clumsy at it,
0: right? Yeah. Get the hell out of your people's way, man. You're there to support them. <laughs> Servant leadership. Uh, one thing that's in your book is you uh, preach the gospel that hints of Buddhism, urging managers <laughs> and leaders that can yeah. be, by being more aware and less reactive. Tell us a little bit about what that is. Do I have to get a big fat, half-naked guy, Buddha, <laughs> like sitting in my lobby or something people can worship?
1: I actually… <laughs> If there's a book by Herman Hesse uh, named called Siddhartha, which is the story of young Buddha, and I, I was struck by something in there, so I put it in the book. And at one moment, um, uh, Siddhartha, the young Buddha, is trying to get a job from someone, right? And he he hasn't been trained in college or anything like that. He's just been experiencing life, and and the um, the business person says, "Well, what can you do? This is like a an Indian trader guy and all that kind of thing," and. <laughs> and and siddhartha says well i can i i can wait i can fast and i can think hmm. and the guys Thank like oh, so. what, the, what the hell is that, you know what are you going to do for my business and, uh, and of course they proceed to show how those things work but the the hmm. idea that i can wait okay i can pause i don't need to hmm. act right okay i can fast i don't need to be fed by my need for managerial satisfaction or a proof of my ego or something like that. I can, and then I can think and and, and that's really the, those three things, the, as a manager being contemplative mm. and, and saying, it isn't about me being a manager. It's about them being the productive core of my organization. Mm. And what is it? What is the thing that needs to happen here? Okay. And it's maybe me doing nothing. Maybe it's me asking a question. But the last thing is probably me intervening, right? <laughs> okay? mm-hmm. uh, or have, having, like you said, having a meeting or, you know, uh, asking people to do a new report or an extra status report or something like that. It's that act of actually treating them as this powerful engine. And what is it, if you think of like tuning up your car, right, back when people did that, um, when you, and you're listening to the engine and trying to see what is the engine telling you about what it needs, right? Hmm.
0: you know uh you mentioned the word ego in what you were yeah. saying do you think that that's a big thing that a lot of people you know they get that headspace of you know their ego is like i'm a manager now i have the title and i'm gonna lord it around or you know in other aspects of ego um do you find that that maybe is something that gets in people's way or managers way when they're trying to lead
1: yeah you're you're on you're on a really good track here uh so i've seen I, a, i've I, seen a few companies yeah 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 um so i will say something just as a as a frame um if you're if you're in in the manager leader business because of the power thrill mm. you're not going to like my book okay? damn it you really won't um i i think and that that you've, you've struck on a reality and i'd be stupid to deny it and that is that you know, a lot of the people who climb to the top of organizations are not all that, all that, you know, humble or, you know, humanistic or whatever we want to say, certainly not servant leaders. Mm-hmm. And and the organization then looks like them, right? In other words, they set the ah, culture for it and everything yeah. like that. So that mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a there's a big challenge inside of organizations is that the people who are drawn to that situation being the CEO of a 500 or 5,000 or 50,000 person company are driven by some of that stuff that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Sometimes, yeah. You know, what's the percentage? I don't know, fifty yeah. percent, something like that. Yeah. Um, there, I'm the book is for the other the other group okay the Mm -hmm. other group where it's a leader who feels like i cherish our people i cherish the opportunity to have them here you know that that sort of posture Mm -hmm. um and that and that creates a culture like that inside the organization as well right the Mm -hmm. one of my favorite ceos um we were on a big i hosted a panel at a big conference and and he ended the session beautifully he said we were talking about talent we ended with talking about the people you hire and he, he said Nobody's good enough to be an asshole.
0: I like that. I need yeah. to I actually I think I have a few girlfriends that would uh send me that for a coffee mug. <laughs> but that's not my problem. Uh you know, I, I'm I I think that's true. I like that. It keeps people grounded. Um, you know, uh you you mentioned a good thing about culture. A lot of people don't think about culture. When I started my companies, I had prepared pretty well. Uh, I'd read a lot of Forbes and Harvard Business Review uh, things on running companies, and I had planned to run very large companies. And so I prepared. And so I knew that day one, I had to start laying a framework for culture. And also, what I wanted was a learning organization. Um, I oh, forget nice, the, nice. I forget the name of the book. Um, I should have it because I always reference it around here. Uh, but
1: um, we're talking about Theory V by. Um yeah, the fifth, the, same, uh,
0: the fifth element, the
1: fifth element yeah, it says theory V on the cover, and it's uh, yeah. Peter, uh, oh god, I forget the name,
0: sorry, no, yeah. yeah, uh, I'll pull it up here. Um, the um uh, I don't think it's the fifth element, I think that's the movie I was, yeah, I, that is, getting it confused. <laughs> it's a great movie. I used um, to call
1: it Theory Five, that's why I know I'm on the same, same yeah. brainwave as you on that, yeah,
0: yeah, it's got the big V on the front, um, but I, I wanted to, um, build a learning organization and have a culture of learning and open mindedness. Um, One of the motivators was my friends who I started one of our first successful companies with uh, that really went multimillion dollar. uh, He, he was working at this company where all they did was worry about getting blamed for stuff all day long. And so everyone would document like every little thing. And it was like a high school documenting every little thing. Like, I didn't go to the bathroom for more than five minutes today. Everyone's like trying to cover their ass so they didn't get blamed for whatever shit went wrong. Um, they actually did have, I'm not even kidding you, they did have swipe cards for the bathrooms and oh they would measure God. the time you were in the bathroom. Um, you know, I mean, you're putting swipe cards in your bathroom. Maybe there's something wrong with your hiring process or your (laughs) style or whatever, but it was insane. These people were literally most of their productivity every day was documenting how something wasn't their fault or trying to cover their ass. So they didn't get blamed. Like it was like 80% of the productivity was that
1: that, that's in a, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. If you're going to.
0: No, no, that was it.
1: So that that is so interesting. And there's there's a thing I touch on in the book. It's and there's a, a great book out there called, is it called 8,00 weeks? It's the yeah, I think it's or something like that. It's the idea that we only have eight thousand weeks in our life, right? And which is kind of a scary way to think of it. Wow. But one of the things they talk about, the the idea of time and work and all that kind of thing. And in the history of management, there's a moment when People used to get paid long ago, 100 years ago, used to get paid piece rates. In other words, Mm -hmm. you produce 200 widgets, you get, you know, whatever, 20 cents or something like that is who knows what it was back then. And at some point, the the manufacturers went to paying people for the full day, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're paying piece rate and people don't produce a lot, you're not paying them a lot, so that's cool, okay? But giving people a salary, a daily wage all of a sudden change the management, the owner perspective, which is I'm paying for their whole day. They better be working their whole day. Yeah. And this was this was essentially the origin of the the idea of greedy capitalist. How dare you take a break during my day? And this is a, it was a huge thing that happened in about 1925 or 1930. And it's so it's, it's terrifying to me to mm-hmm. hear that story that you just said, because that's that same thing. How much mm-hmm. of my day are you spending peeing? Okay. That's, that's like insanely stupid management practice.
0: Yeah. Well, at 55, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, even during like, <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, you know, it, 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 so the book was called, uh, so that I have this right for people, it's called uh, The Fifth Discipline, The Art and Practice of the Learning Organization by Peter Singe. Um, so, yeah, it's got the big V on the front. That's kind of what it throws Yeah,
1: I, it messed me up for years, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I can never remember what it's called. And then I always, you know, the fifth element or whatever. And people are like, that's the movie, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. idiot. But it's a great movie. So there's that. Um, but you know, a lot of people don't think about laying that foundation or when managers come in,
1: I want to jump in real quick and tell please. you something about Peter's Peter Senge's book. Cause it's a great book, by the way, mm-hmm. I believe he made a mistake. Cause I, there's one of the books that inspired me in the nineties as well. I believe he made a mistake because in the book he talks about, it's a learning organization, but the learning is the manager's learning. Mm. Yeah. And it's just, it's a really subtle flaw in there. But the idea he talks about systems modeling and a bunch of other cool stuff, right? And, but his whole focus is we want to work with the managers, right? And, and if you look, if you step back and look at this idea of learning organization, it's really that the whole organization is learning. Mm -hmm. If we look at things like Toyota production system and these, these real management revolutions that happened, it was about engaging everyone in the organization, not just the managers. Oh. And I think that's just the tiny little flaw in his, in his stuff. He had a lot of things right though, but it was a, a interesting thing. And cause you, you got to wonder why didn't this take off uh, when he did it? And it didn't right. Instead yeah. of re-engineering the corporation came out and cleared out all the middle managers of the, in the world. So, yeah,
0: it, it, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of the people don't realize too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to take a look too, when you, come into a management or leader position leadership position whether you know you're in mid level or any place you 've got to reassess where, where the culture is or maybe the culture was on the uh, guy who was leaving and decide on where you're taking your new culture you have to be uh, conscious and mental and present about it You have to say what okay so what culture do I want to cultivate under me is it need to be different does it need to improve or change or what how does this fit you know my personality and and what, a, what is the culture that I want to have? Because as we mentioned before, that culture is going to become reflective of you whether, you, whether you like it or not, whether you intend to or not, it's going to become reflective of you. And if you're a dummy, then there you go. You just set your, you just set your tone.
1: But what do you I, think? One of my favorite topics, by the way, culture. So um, one of my clients, we just did the book kickoff. And one of my clients did a video testimonial. He said, Jack taught me that the culture is not what you say it is. It's actually Mm -hmm. how you behave when the shit hits the fan. (laughs) 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 That was great. I I never even said that, but he actually came up with that from, and and so here's, here's, here's the real challenge, right? A lot of leaders go put, the idea of culture. And we had one client, a really big client. They had these posters all over the walls. And one of the posters, I actually made a uh, shepherd fairy propaganda poster to make fun of it. That it said, we are empowered. Okay. I did the one, you know, with the guy with, you know, and a woman, you know, the 1950s, industrial propaganda poster to make fun of it. The problem is, is that a lot of those sort of cultural value things are platitudes, right? I'll give you an example, right? So, I, I take a room of people, 20 people at that company, and they're in a meeting, and they walk out, and I ask them, were you all empowered? And everyone <laughs> looks at me like I'm stupid or something, right? Okay? Yeah. Instead, let me give you a, a cultural value that is a lot easier to measure and people to follow, which is don't be a jerk. Or actually, oh, oh, don't be an say, asshole. Don't be a dick. Don't be an asshole. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right? Like that so, earlier reference.
1: Yeah. So I… I survey those same twenty people coming out of the meeting and say, "Was anybody a dick in this meeting?" <laughs> that's really easy to answer, right? <laughs> but that's culture needs. Cultural values need to be measurable and they need to flow yeah. through, right? In other words, mm-hmm. if I do, if I say one of our values is "don't be a dick," and and things the shit hits the fan and mm-hmm. someone starts becoming a dick, now everyone can go, "You're being a dick," and that's not what we do, right? If, yeah. if you have that, we are all empowered. No one can even when the shit hits fan no one we're all empowered but we're still all screwed right
0: yeah well how do you define being a dick is there like a is there a is there a definition there i'm kind (laughs) of i I
1: I think i think it's one of those things you know it. you know when you see it a little bit or you know it when you experience it
0: i see mine in the mirror every morning when i walk (laughs) in i'm not talking about my dick i'm just talking about me being a dick so clean up your thoughts i
1: almost jumped on that one okay yeah
0: thanks man i (laughs) Thanks, man. I, just, I don't want to turn it into an OnlyFans show. So <laughs> we have enough weird shit going on with this show. Uh, so, you know, people are sending me their Snapchat photos. The <laughs> intro on I, the if, you're, there.
1: if you're going to get some Snapchat photos, that would have that was the prompt right there. Yeah,
0: It's never the people you want sending you the Snapchat <laughs> photos is the problem, but that's another story. So, yeah, sending the culture straight, um, uh, coming into management, Uh, What are, what are some other things that, you know, if I'm out there listening and I'm a manager who says, you know, maybe I need to prove things or uh, maybe that you know, you're coming up on that first day of management, what's, what's some good ways to lay a foundation and hit the ground running the right way before you muck it all up?
1: Uh, Look, I think that the, one of the biggest problems I go into this uh, in some detail in the book is we are incredibly biased human beings. Okay, we are just we're just wired that way. It, that it
0: seems so, that seems so wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm trying to.
1: Beat <laughs> You're gonna bait me on that one. That's now so you funny. know the all, And by the way, all the stuff around. I'm not going to rip on DEI, uh, but oh, but. The all the stuff around DEI and there's a great article in the the Wall Street Journal by a couple of the top DEI researchers that who said you're getting this wrong. You can't mm. shame people for being biased because people are biased. It's not a solvable problem. It's a the biological is, thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're attracted to people we're attracted to. We're unattracted to the unattracted, et cetera. The the thing you need to do as a manager is realize that you have those biases and build processes that avoid them. And and, Mm. and basically, anytime you are assessing or choosing, okay, you're getting it wrong. Okay. Mm cool study by uh, Deloitte and uh, and a university where they found that the the most significant factor in performance appraisals from managers of, of workers, if you will, most mm-hmm. significant factor was um, how much they were alike each other, okay? And that was, <laughs> oh, we both play paddle tennis or something like that, right? That, that would tend to create a more positive performance review than whether they had actually done a good job or not. And the the quality of the person's work was the third factor, by the way. I forget what the second one was. So Mm -hmm. manager's ability to appraise and assess is ridiculously biased. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, it creates this spiral. you got to realize, as a manager, you're going to create a spiral because you're going to choose the people that you think will do well, and then because they get opportunities to try – they learn how to do better, and so it's a self-reinforcing loop. And Of course, those you don't choose will always seem like they could never succeed because they were never given a chance to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. So the, one of the keys here is can I put a mechanism in place where I just give everyone a chance? Mm-hmm. And this comes to one of the key ideas of a great manager, which is we all need to take turns. Okay? It can't be I'm only going to let people do it who I'm certain of It's the people I'm uncertain of who have the most opportunity to grow and I need to give them a shot at it. And we, we had this, uh, we had this guy on a, a, that's running a big software development team and everyone was slammed. And there was this one guy, young guy there, almost an intern. He'd won a yo-yo championship the year before. I mean, that was like his, his claim to to fame in life. And, um, and, We had this thing that needed to get done. And, and I said, why don't we have him do it? And everyone laughed. I mean, they literally laughed like you're kidding, right? I said, no, let's, I mean, you guys were in, you guys weren't skilled at one point. So, and, and at the end of the day, they supported him, of course, you know, like helping him like their, his little, little brother kind of thing. Um, but he killed it and got it done and no one thought he could have. So opportunity is probably more important than your judgment giving people opportunity there's my there's my punchline sorry it took so long to get to it that no
0: it was great uh you know this is important too because you've got to develop your people you've got to you know this is part of delegation and and you've got to be able to delegate and 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 get your people's skills developed and uh you know you can't just you know think of yourself as like a uh, say you're like a platoon sergeant or something you can't run around and like, if your team can't shoot their guns, you can't run around and do all the gunning for them. <laughs>
1: exactly. You, know? exactly, you got to yeah. teach
0: them to shoot their guns, and you're going to have people that are always going to be on a curve. You know, I I remember one time I had this conversation with somebody who's being a real fucking idiot as a manager. Uh, I, I put that subtly. Um, <laughs> and uh, they literally thought you could build a team of 100% of rock stars. Oh, God. And I'm like, no, you can't. Because they were persecuting the one or two people at the bottom of the curve that that just couldn't be the rock stars. And I'm like, you you can't do it. And, you know, I, I tried breaking the rule for most of my early business years, breaking the 80-20 rule or 95-5 rule, I think is sometimes why I always see it in sales. Um, but the 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of your earners are going to earn 80% of your business. They're going to be the kick-ass people. They're just They're just, you know, there's something special about those folks. And then, you know, you're going to kind of have a fall off curve. And yeah, I mean, I kind of like the idea that I adopted back in the 90s. Uh, I I think it was Microsoft that gave me the idea to weed out the lowest 10% um which is general
1: electric actually it was, was jack- it general electric yeah it was jack, jack- Welch. Jack yeah. there you go
0: yeah. um and I, I i like that idea i mean you don't have to necessarily weed out and fire the lowest 10 percent. maybe you should look at them and say how well you know are we failing in some way where we can improve these folks or help them or you know maybe there's some you know i i you always ask yourself is it us first sure because it usually is Um, and, but you know, there's, there's, there's some people they just, maybe they're just not a right fit for this job. They need to go back to McDonald's or, you know, woodworking or steel mills or something, you know, whatever the thing is, man, maybe this just isn't their thing. And, um, but yeah, you can't build a team of, of, of the things, but you do have to give people a chance to develop. You do have to train, you do have to do whatever, but yeah, the city was like trying to somehow get rid of, all the weak players and the, somehow think that he could assemble a team of of top people and i'm just like you, there's no way to do that because the top people always enjoy being the top people and if they have to fight over everything they're gonna leave and go someplace where they're gonna be the top people i don't know
1: so. yeah no I, I think there's a lot to that and i you know i do want to acknowledge that sometimes you've got someone who's not a fit okay and yeah. that's that that's usually more of the situation that they're not a fit than they're actually not competent, right? They're just not Mm -hmm. fit for your, your style, your organization style, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. If you have, you know, half of your people, as we've seen with some of our clients, half of our people are no good. (laughs) Then I'm like, no, I think, I think there's a person I want to start with and, um, and their first name is the same as yours, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You you really need to look at um, if, if, that and i agree with you on that team of team of superstars if you want to build a team of superstars go ahead and grow them okay grow and, them yeah yeah
0: yeah very important word there so uh lots of great thoughts and insights that we have in the book give us the final pitch out on the book to people and where they can find you on the internet maybe on board with your agency and consulting etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: Hey, well, so look, I I want to make people better managers. And and part of that is making organizations work a lot better. And we see some great results. The book talks about all that kind of stuff. And that's that's what we do every day at, at Agency Agile and the like. Would love mm-hmm. for you to take a read of the book. You can find it on Amazon.com. It's unmanaged, mastering the magic of creating empowered and happy organizations. And uh, we're at agencyagile.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. And happy to, uh, if you want to chat on any of these topics, please reach out to me as well. I appreciate it.
0: There you go. Uh, This has been a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate
1: it. Thanks for coming to the show, Jack. Thanks, Chris. Great chatting with you.
0: There you go. Order up the folks wherever fine books are sold. Unmanaged. Master the magic. The magic. Master the magic, magic of creating magic, em- magic. magic. I was yeah. thinking that meme. <laughs> Unmanaged. Master the magic of creating empowered and happy organizations available November first, twenty twenty three. Yeah, maybe uh give it to give it to for- Christmas is coming up. Great holiday
1: gift for your favorite manager.
0: manager. Just don't mark the sender on it. Uh, There you go. There you go. Uh, Just leave it on a desk. and See See if somebody gets the hint. Wink, wink. Uh, So, hey, someone just handed me the book. Um, Anyway, thanks for tuning in to my audience. We certainly appreciate you Check out our new link uh, where you can interact with the show on Facebook if that's your kind of place to be. There's a chat over there as well. Go to uh, Chris Foss, Facebook.com. You can also go to Goodreads.com, Forchess Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress, Chris Foss, the Big 130,000 LinkedIn Group, the Big LinkedIn Newsletter. Chris Foss, one at the tickety talk YouTube.com. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us.